Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elkoury. And I'm Shirley Heyman. The show uh, today is very poignant, really. It's something that's going on a lot in 2016 in the news. And we've heard a great deal about refugees and Syrian refugees in particular. Now, there are some great initiatives in Hertfordshire to provide support to refugees and their families in particular. So on this show, we're going to be talking to one group who are called Hearts for Refugees. Hearts spelt H-E-R-T-S, obviously about our area, but I guess it could mean H-E-A-R-T-S. Local mums Siobhan Burley and Sally Robinson are in the studio today and their children um, are here too. And we're going to hear from them all about what they've been doing, why they're doing it. And then um, we're going to be speaking to Green Councillor Simon Grover, who led an initiative 12 months ago to get Hertfordshire involved in the government scheme to relocate vulnerable Syrian refugees in particular. And we'll be asking Simon how that went and where we are now with the initiative. And last up on the show, we're going to be speaking to Mebret Deris, who is a systemic psychotherapist, trainer and supervisor. She works with refugees and came to the UK in 1986 as a refugee herself. And Merbat has over 25 years of experience in working with refugees. So we we were, we're looking forward to hearing her perspective on that and um, she'll be able to tell us what it's like for refugees arriving in this country. So let's start um, this evening talking to Siobhan. Um, Siobhan, welcome to the studio. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. And could we just ask you maybe to start at the very beginning, you know, why did you do this? Why did you get involved? Um, when I first saw the pictures of the little boy on the um, beach, I could... I, re I looked at him and realised that he's the same age as my own son. So I wanted to do a bit more to be involved. So I looked around for local groups and when I realised there weren't any, I decided to set up my own, not realising it would get as big as it was. And how long was ago was that? That was at the beginning of September. So not that long ago, really? No, within no. Um, maybe three days, we had 300 people in the group. By the end of the week, we had 500 people. So it was really nice to see the community coming together. Did you start that on Facebook or, you know, where did you start sort of putting the message out? Um, yeah, it's all been very much based on Facebook. Right. Okay. And, and how did you get involved initially then? What were you doing? What were the first few things you needed to do? Um, I signed up to some other groups that were already running just to get an idea of what what needed to be done how we could do it and then i started off a collection which started off in my two-bed flat um the first weekend my son's bedroom was packed out floor to ceiling and then we went around local businesses to try and get some storage space and then we ended up in seven storage units so it was very good response that's amazing seven storage units full of full of um tents sleeping bags clothes shoes toiletries food there was so much stuff fantastic and how long did it get take you to get to that kind of stage the initial plan was to collect for three to four weeks but then we um i had to stop collecting after about 10 days because it was just massive overwhelming yes fantastic and we have sally robinson in the studio as well hi sally hi so tell us at what point did you get involved sally 
Well, <clears throat> like Siobhan, I was watching the news and I felt like I really wanted to do something but wasn't sure what I could do. So I went online and Googled where I could donate to and found Siobhan. Um, so then I looked at the list of things that they needed um, and took the two girls. I've got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And we went to Morrison's with the list and bought lots of the things together. Um, and then we went to Siobhan's flat and that's where we met for the first time um, and dropped things off. Um, but when I got home, I felt like I wanted to actually take the stuff over myself and help out more like that. So I went over to Calais with Siobhan and the other people. And, um, yeah. Fantastic. And when did you both first go to Calais? Did you go at the same time together? Yeah, we went in September together. We went in September together. Brilliant. And how, how did you do it? What did you do? Well, it was what my initial plan when I set up the group. I just wanted to fill my car with donations, which obviously that... So then we ended up with i think it was 15 volunteers and nine vehicles in our convoy that's amazing are you i can't believe that that it's such a momentum in such a short space of time it says an awful lot about the area that we live in that there's so much goodwill doesn't it yeah definitely it was really nice to see so many people from different backgrounds different yeah different everything and still coming together and we haven't had any bad feedback or anybody opposing what we're doing at all um, which is i think is amazing since we've been going since september so that's to awesome. show what the the area is like and uh, the feeling here and tell us about your i'd love to hear from both of your impressions when you arrived in calais and you saw it's the jungle isn't that what they call it mm -hmm. that's right mm. well in september it was a warm sunny day which obviously it isn't like that at the moment um and we were, well, I certainly felt nervous and um, wasn't sure what I was expected to do, what would be the best thing to do to help. Wasn't sure what I would see when I got there. Um, and we were told at that time the best thing to do was to go and meet people, ask them what they needed and go back to the donations warehouse and fetch it for them, which I found really daunting because, um, first of all, approaching people who you I didn't know, didn't know if they wanted me to approach them, um, didn't know if they spoke English. Um, but we did it and it was a fantastic experience, but overwhelming and upsetting at the same time um we met one group who had been um in the jungle for a few months and were quite settled in the sense that they'd built, built themselves a shelter they'd got chairs they looked organized um and then other groups who met they'd literally arrived that day they looked terrified pale frightened didn't know what to do and they didn't even know what they needed because they literally had nothing so um when we said what do you need they didn't even know and they just had to look at what everybody else had got and point at some tents or point at a sleeping bag but they were only about 21 themselves and they just looked absolutely terrified that's it must be a heartbreaking experience on so many levels because you obviously you've got to go home because you want to go home to your family but it must be very hard to leave vulnerable people like that and so how how what do you do with your emotions when you when you experience that or if you experience that I th um, we set up a WhatsApp group, all the volunteers that went in our group. So I think before we went, that was very, very busy. Like, we was always talking on it. And I did notice when we got back, the group was very quiet, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And I think you all feel guilty for leaving because you're just going back to your normal life. You're going back to your warm home. And I think it. someone said before I went, you get addicted. And you do, but it's because you don't want to abandon the people. You just want to keep going back and doing what you can. And you can never finish a job off. You've got your um, train booked home and that's when you need to go. But we were working right until the last minute and, and we missed the, the, the train back, which it's fine. We could get back home. 
but you don't want to go because uh, you, ca you can't possibly finish a task, you can't leave satisfied that you've helped, really, because you've just done a tiny thing, but the individuals that you've helped is very satisfying to see what you've done for them, but it's just an ongoing thing, and, and um, I've said to lots of people, once you've been once, you can't just go once and not go back, it's m impossible. And have you been back? Yeah, I've been back quite a few times, and um, our group's going back, Sally and a few other people from the group are going back on the 12th of February for a weekend. And weekend. what are the stocks like? Do you need any contributions? We do. Um, this trip, uh, we went in again in November and we're going again next weekend and we're taking people power for these trips. So um, the volunteers are desperately needed because they've got lots of donations at the uh, warehouses. They need people to sort them and to distribute them in the camp. So that's what this trip's about. Um, but we have done other um, donating trips where we've taken tents, sleeping bags and blankets and that's what we're going to be doing again. So if anybody has any tents, sleeping bags or blankets, but tents, especially bigger ones that are maybe four plus people, we would really like those. And if you go onto our Facebook page, um, then you can find out where to, how to drop them off. That Great. Would be fantastic. And I'm sure um, if we have... Ah, I see it up there. It's on our Facebook page, I think, already. But we'll be repeating it throughout the show. And, um, and so you're looking for people power. So if, you, if somebody has that weekend free, hop in a car, bring their own car... Yes, so we're going um, on the 12th, Friday the 12th, and if anybody would like to come with us, they're very welcome. We have got some spaces in cars, so we can make it a little bit cheaper for you. You can share the car, and we'll help you out with accommodation, to help, so we all stay together. And when you were saying about how do you deal with your emotions, I think in the evenings we'd all get back at about 8 o'clock at night and sit down and have a meal together, and that was a really um, cathartic experience, talking about what we'd seen and what would happen the next day. So... Um, it's uh you'd be looked after if you came with us as a group that sounds it sounds great and it sounds like such such a worthwhile thing to do i mean i'm sure i'm sure you won't be short of volunteers to do it do you how many do you have any idea how many people have gone from hertfordshire over to calais Sorry, I've put you on the spot there. We, we had, um, I think, 12 the first time, within our group anyway, we had 12 the first time and again around 12 or 15 the second time. We've got 20 people coming this time and um, so the numbers are getting higher as we go on. Um, but yeah, any more people would be fantastic. Great stuff, great. Now, you know, we're on a parent show and one of the questions we wanted to please pose to you both because, you know, I guess you're experts in this field to a certain extent was how do we talk to children about this refugee crisis? Any, any tips? Well, um, I'm only another parent and not an expert in child psychology apart from being a primary school teacher but so I took some advice from UNICEF and they've got some on their website some fantastic advice so um, one of the main things was that um, you have an open discussion with the children allow them to ask any questions that they want to and um, take seriously any questions they ask however minor they might seem to you um, and also follow their lead don't just think I must tell them about refugees so they understand it. If they bring it up or they've seen something, you know they've seen something or you think they're anxious, then that's a sign that they need to talk about it. Um, and another thing that they might think is a problem, so if you're talking about the refugee crisis and they think something might be a problem that you think might be quite minor, for example, some, uh, a, a child might not be able to bring their teddy bear with them, their favourite teddy bear with them. Make sure you accept everything they say as, as a problem, that their opinion is valid and 
they they might have a better understanding of how a refugee child would feel than than we have um which is interesting for a two-way conversation you might be learning something as well by talking mm. to them about it Siobhan, what about you? Because, you know, you started off by saying the reason you got into this was because you had a son or have a son the same age as, you know, the, the news that we saw on TV very sadly a while ago. So have you got any thoughts about how to talk to children about it? Um, yeah, my, my son was slightly concerned that the issues are going on in our world and what would be the implications like for us in England. So I've just reassured him like that our country's safe and explaining like not in too much detail but the history just very basic terms but the history of why these countries have got to the position that they are and why our country is safer and why we wouldn't why we're not at risk thank you i mean we're going to talk to your son in a bit so that will be lovely to hear his voice absolutely so we know so you're going to Calais on the 12th of February, That's is that right? right? Yes. And tell us, tell us about any other initiatives you've got on. You've got the fun day coming up in about a month, isn't it? That's right. We've got the fun day at St Paul's Church in St Albans on the 5th, uh, Saturday the 5th of March. Um, we decided we'd like to um, involve the children in fundraising. So instead of a donations drive, we're going to try and raise as much money as we can in order to... Um, provide um, shelter um, in Calais for families and also um, resources for the school, the children's school in the Dunkirk camp. Um, so with the fun day, it is on the 5th of March, it's between 2 o'clock and 4.30 um, and the, we'll got lots of different things going on. We've got a children's and babies market, so lots of different um, brand new unfortunately unwanted Christmas presents um, and some um, very good quality second hand. We've got face painting from the Glitter Box. We've got Queen Elsa visiting from Wish Upon a Party that you can have a, have a selfie with. Um, we've got for um, the parents massage and reflexology um, and of course very importantly we've got cakes and um, popcorn and we've also got a Mother's Day making um, crafts table because it's the day before Mother's Day. Oh, well uh, timed. Also we have a raffle um, and we'll be starting to sell tickets this weekend for the raffle with some nice big prizes. So, Fantastic. That'll be a great fun mm. afternoon. Mm. Brilliant. So that's on St. Paul's, 5th of March. We'll obviously put all the details on, on our website. Thank you so much. It's great to hear your perspective. And now, you know, just as valuable, we've, we're going to have a chat with your children. So we've got Maggie and Caden in the studio with us now. We're just fixing the microphone so they can have a bit of a chat. Caden, you come round to your mum there. And Maggie, that's yours. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Good. And uh, what do you think of our studio? It's, it's fun. <laughs> That's great. Now, listen, what do you think a refugee is, Maggie? Someone who's had to run away from their home because their city is being attacked. Yeah, it's not a, not a nice position to be in. No. And And do you like what your mum is doing to help refugees? Yeah. And actually, we should t let our listeners know, how old are you, Maggie? Six. You're six years of age. And tell us what it is. Why do you think it's a good thing what your mum is doing? Because the, she's helping the people who don't have any things and helping everyone to stay healthy and fit. Yeah, that's it's lovely. It's a lovely initiative, isn't it? And can you... Now we're going to speak to Caden. How are you, Caden? Good. Thank you very much for joining us in the studio. So, can you tell us what you think about 
um, what your mum is doing? Mm, I don't really know. Do you think it's a good thing? Yeah. And listen, tell me what happened to Aziz. Do you know who's going to talk to me about Aziz? Maggie, would you like to tell me about it? Um, it's basically... Come on into the microphone now. It's basically a story where this girl had to run away and leave her grandma behind at the wall. Aha. So, um, Aziz in the Middle is a children's graphic novel that um, we've been reading at home and it's a really good, I think, a really good um, way to introduce children to the problem of the refugee crisis um, in a way that they'll understand. So I'd really recommend that. It's by Sarah Garland um, and it gives the point of view from the child and not only the actual process of um, the journey and running away but settling in England and how that feels as well, which I think um, the children can really relate to, the problems that she had at school and making new friends, which any child finds difficult sometimes. Fantastic. What a great book tell us the name again sally it's it's called aziz in the middle oh, sorry azzy in the middle by sarah garland brilliant oh we must scribble that up on our facebook page as well and caden tell us how old you are five you're five and what would you do to help refugees what do you think would be um, a good idea um try and um, get money so we could help them and what? try and uh, get them out of there and what what do you think um they, what kind of things do you think they need um i think they need lots of things because some are some are poorly yeah they are and um maggie have you got any ideas of think of good things to bring to help the refugees in calais tents and tents and cushions oh yeah cushions is a great idea and sleeping bags. Oh, yeah, definitely. And toothpaste. Toothpaste. And toothbrushes. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. Caden, any more ideas from you? What would you bring if you were going tomorrow? What's the first thing you'd bring for a I boy would, your age? I would bring loads of things and give them um, um, all... I won't... Um, um, I won't... Uh, give them all to me I'll give them some I'll give them to um, the people in Calais that's really really kind of you really kind lovely well Maggie have you got any, any anybody you want to say hello to out there Zara you'd like to say hello to your friends her mum's helping the refugees too that's awesome fantastic I'd say she'd be very pleased to hear you said her name anybody else no. <laughs> Good girl. Caden, would you like to say hello to anybody? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all very much for coming on the Parents Show. It's an absolute pleasure having you on and well done. And mm. it's really fantastic what you're doing. And we'll, I hope you get stacks and stacks of support. I'm sure you will. It, all you. the indications are mm. lots of people are interested. Yeah, it's going really well. So thank you very much. Thanks, Siobhan. Thank thanks, you. Sally. Thank thanks, Caden and Maggie. Our pleasure. Thank you.
Welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. Tonight we're talking about refugees and specifically about initiatives in Hertfordshire uh, to do with that. And we've had a great chat with Siobhan and Sally, Caden and Maggie about uh, uh, families in St Albans and what they're doing. And now the next initiative is an incredibly important initiative too. We've got Green Councillor Simon Grover in the studio with us now. And about 12 months ago, um, he launched an initiative to get Hertfordshire involved in the government scheme. So, Simon, thanks for coming into the studio. Pleasure. Tell us about um, the government scheme and how did you hear about it? And Yeah, so um, the, the UK government has got a, a unique scheme uh, for, for helping Syrian refugees. Um, the United Nations decided that it was going to recommend that every country that was a, a, that could help in the Western world um, should take a certain number of refugees, and they're coordinating a scheme. The, the UK government decided not to be part of that scheme, but actually to have their own scheme. Um, and the details of that have been quite slow in coming out, as anyone who's following following it will know. But they're talking now about something like 20,000 refugees th- throughout the UK being helped. Um, so about a year ago I first heard about this scheme and about a couple of councils who were starting to look at this because the unusual thing about this scheme is that for it to work local councils like St Albans Council or Hertfordshire County Council have to actually take the lead and apply to the government for money because there's money available to do it but they, the council has to take the lead it has to come from the bottom up um, so there are lots of councils all around the country were just sitting there not knowing about it I didn't know about it um, so I, I heard about it so I went I took a, a motion as it's called you know, a proposal to the full council at St Albans said, uh, you know, do, do councillors feel that we should support this, look into this scheme? Um, and I, I was very pleased because pretty much unanimous, all, all councillors said, yes, we should, we, we're interested in this, we should look into it. Um, councils are a very, very slow process, unfortunately, so it's taken months and months to actually kind of sort out the details of this, but also the government's been trying to work out exactly how the scheme will work. Um, and now we've, we're, we're really close to it now, and uh, St Albans was the first in Hertfordshire to, to kind of stand up and say, yes, we're interested. And nine out of the ten small councils, uh, district councils in Hertfordshire have also said they're now interested. And Hearts County Council has also said they will support us with things like social care and education. So we're all coordinating together to put a bid into the government to get the money sorted out. And, it's, and it looks like it's happening in the next few months now. That's fantastic. And... I mean, what kind of support are we talking about? We're, we're only talking about Sy- Syrian refugees. Yeah, that's right. There's lots of different refugee schemes, and <coughs> this, this particular scheme is very, is very, has very particular rules about it. So the people will be identified by the United Nations High Commission for Refugees um, in Syria as being particularly vulnerable, and there'll be, there'll be families... Um, often women and children, there's often no fathers, but there may be a complete family. But for whatever reason, they are elderly or sick or disabled um, or have s- special educational needs or whatever it is, they are identified as being particularly vulnerable in camps in Syria. So these are people who have not yet fled Syria. They're still in camps in Syria. They're selected, selected by the UN, and then the, they, the UK government um, gets involved and says, OK, we can take these people here. St Albans is ready. They'll take 10 people in St Albans. Nottingham's ready. We'll, they'll take 20 people in Nottingham, and they'll, they sort it out in that way. Um, but it's not, it's not in individual people. It's families. Um, and as I say, they're, they're the, most, the most needy people. And has, have any families started to come at all? Do we know if Hertfordshire has any Syrians? Not in Hertfordshire yet. As I say, we're, we're still at this process of talking to the government about exactly how the money's going to come through. Yeah. We're also looking for landlords who are interested in 
having these families stay. They, they get paid for it, they get rent for it, um, but uh, we, we're not doing social housing, we're not providing council housing in St Albans because we've hardly got any, so we're looking for private landlords um, and the government and the council will, will uh, together pay the money to, that, to the landlord for that family to stay there. Um, so we're looking for literally two houses in St Albans for ten refugees. Um, across Hertfordshire it's a similar story, so it's about ten people um, in St Albans and about a hundred across Hertfordshire um, and if every district and every authority across the country does that it'll add up to about 20,000 right it's it but it is a tiny it's a it's tiny a tiny number, number. Yeah. and I mean you think with such a small number I hope and I'm, I'm sure people will you know welcome them with open arms and and yeah certainly uh, I mean certainly in terms of support and uh, and welcoming for these people the community as you've already heard this evening the community uh, support has been amazing i was at an event on sunday there were it was a packed hall again it was st paul's church uh, in st albans absolutely packed with people saying how can i help you know it was it was really moving there were so many people there um, from the council side of things, it's a bit more, you know, black and white's a bit more slow moving and, and objective and, you know, boxes have to be ticked and these things have to be done properly, obviously, you know, because you're talking about very vulnerable people coming a long way. You need to make sure that everything's absolutely ready for them when they come here, that some of them will have particular needs. There'll be children that need looking after in certain ways, will need school places and so on and so on and so on. But, but yes, at the end of the day, tiny, tiny numbers, but if everybody makes the effort, if every council makes the effort, actually it will add up to something very significant. And and the beauty of that is that, I mean, they'll be nestled in communities and hopefully communities yeah. will pull together to, to welcome them. I That's mean, right. all the indications are from the response that Sally and Siobhan have had, that you've had, I mean, people really do have a big heart and want yeah. to help and there's people on the ground here already you know there's there's uh, there's other scheme, other refugee schemes so you know Hertfordshire has taken some refugees over the years not not that many actually not as many as many other places um but there are um some syrian uh communities in the area there are other communities around there are people like the refugee council who know who are total experts in how to settle people in um and one of the really encouraging things is that actually um it's remarkable how quickly refugees do tend to settle in because when they when they come to a new country you know you put yourself in their shoes if you're if you're going to a new country of refuge you want to fit in you want to of course you want to meet up with people who, who speak your language and share your culture but actually what you want to do is get a job settle in get your kids settled in get friends um, like anybody would um and so there's sort of an image of, the, of these people as being a bit helpless but actually they're not and if you and i haven't been to calais but i know people who have say and you just go they're just people like us you know they're yeah. exactly the same like some of them speak English, some of them don't. But you know, it, it's it's extraordinary that these these are just ordinary people like you and me. You know, who are just in a horrific yeah, situation. Yeah, just found themselves in this extraordinary, yeah. extraordinary disaster. Yeah. Can I just ask a question, Simon? You said that the government scheme means they're coming from Syria. So what about all the people that are going to be left in Calais? Why why can we not take people from there? Do you know? Yeah. Well, that's. As I said, th this particular scheme, that called the, the Syrian Vulnerable Persons Relocation Scheme, is just about, um, you know, the rules are this, that the UK government has said, we're not going to take people from Europe because their argument is that that encourages people to, to leave Syria and to, to, to become migrants, mm. uh, to become asylum seekers. Mm. These people are not, uh, they're not asylum seekers, they're already going to be 
um, uh, designated as being refugees by the UN. So an asylum seeker is anyone who's, you know, fleeing something. They're, they've not been registered, they've not been assessed. Mm. But these people, in order to, to have refugee status, you have to be assessed, and so the UN will be assessing these people. Some of the people in Calais have, have not been uh, assessed in any way, right. and the UK government says, um, you know, uh, we're, we're not going to take people. We don't want to encourage people to come from Europe. Uh, other European countries, as, as you know, um, have different have different views, and, and places like um, Germany and Austria and so on, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll take people who come in and they, they do what they can, and, and the, this government has, has got a very different view on it, but the upside is that we do have we do have a scheme. Yeah, and and it's it's better than nothing. It's it's, it's, nothing. it's small, but and but at least it it is better than nothing. And I'm so glad that Hertfordshire is taking the initiative on yeah. sooner rather than waiting for. Yes, we're, we're, there there are some uh, refugees who have come to Britain under this scheme. So a year ago, when I first heard about this, there was something like 140 people had been. Uh, taken under the scheme, so almost nothing. Um, and I, th I don't have the latest figures, but I think it's you know now getting up into the thousands of people who are coming over. Some of the bigger metropolitan um, councils have got moving a bit quicker on this, because it's a bit easier for them to organise because they're a bit bigger. Um, but we're amongst the first of the smaller areas that are that are doing our bit. So it's great news for Hertfordshire. Yeah. Great stuff. I mean, very. It makes it. Uh, the whole theme of the show it's it's a it's a great place to live and i'm so happy there's so many people willing to help mm. and and right up to the council it's fantastic <laughs> thanks a million for joining us yeah, pleasure. simon and um and next the next part of the show we we had hoped to speak to an actual syrian refugee family over there uh, over here but um uh, it wasn't possible and but we have a fantastic insight that we're going to be speaking to Mebrat Derez, who's a systemic psychotherapist, trainer and supervisor. And she herself was a refugee who came to the UK in 1986 and has been working with refugees for over 25 years. So we'll be talking to Mebrat in just a few minutes. Welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verlum 92.6 FM. Tonight's show is all about refugee issues and particularly about initiatives in, Harp, in, in Hertfordshire at the moment. And our next guest, Mebrat Derez, is um, going to talk to us. She is herself a psychotherapist and uh, was a refugee when she came to the UK in 1986. Mebrat, thanks for joining us on The Parents Show. Thank you for inviting me. It's, it's our pleasure and we're really keen to hear your perspective. Um, I, have, I hope you've had a chance to listen to our other guests. Yes, and uh, I would like to say something before you even asking me a question. Uh, I think, you know, I felt quite, you know, moved by uh, Siobhan and Sally's initiative, uh, you know, to help refugee. It's, I'm, I'm very touched by that. And um, I think, you know, what they're doing is actually what they're showing is, I think they, they, it's a moral statement that they're saying this is how we do it, this is what to do good means, and I am very much touched by that. That's that's fantastic, and I'm sure they'll be really delighted. I'd say they're listening in the car on the way home now, and they'll be <laughs> delighted to hear that. Yeah. So, Mebra, tell us what it was like for you, first of all, coming here 25 years 20, ago. 30 years ago. 30 I years, came in oh six, yeah, 30. nearly 30 years ago, I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I think, you know, I cannot even uh, compare uh, the way, you know, when I came and how people, they come into this country now. 
uh, actually you cannot compare it although you know the journey was difficult you know i encountered you know a lot of obstacles to come here but what is happening now is is actually you know you cannot describe it you cannot compare it um so uh, i came as a refugee because there was war in eritrea and um i think you know uh, there was a civil war going on and um I was not prepared to die for cause that, uh, you know, we were killing each other, actually. So I came here as a refugee and um, um, I started a life working as um, helping other refugees here. I mean, I started with, you know, um, uh, just supporting people, going around, uh, talking to them and um, slowly, you know, learning to be in the system, how it works. And there was quite a lot of people actually who helped us. And um, I remember there were teachers at um, uh, the English classes. Um, they helped us quite a lot to find our way of, you know, being in this country, what we can do, what we can study, how, you know, how we connect with people. So uh, I started working here as a um, residential worker for unaccompanied uh, uh, refugee. Uh, there was a home. Uh, here in London, in South London, and I started working there, and then I moved to working for the Refugee Council, which was a big, huge organization, uh, worked with partnership with other housing associations, and they were housing refugees in hostels and temporary accommodations. Uh, so I worked with the Refugee Council. Later on, I trained as a, a psychotherapist, and then I went working in a different context, uh, working uh, as a psychotherapist uh, in a refugee support center as well. And uh, since then, I've never stopped working with refugees. That's been uh, one of my passion, uh, to help other refugees um, to do good and to feel better in life. Yeah. And do you see, I mean, the current wave of Syrian refugees, do you think it's different to other waves of refugees? Yes, it is It is quite different. Um, because we didn't come in mass when we came. Okay, there was, you know, we, we came here, maybe uh, I came on my own, and then there was someone else following. There was, uh, you know, a couple of uh, other uh, people that they came, and that's how we built our community slowly here. Uh, while what's happening now is actually, you know, they come in, in you know, huge numbers and uh, the situation is, is completely different. Uh, so that's, that's the difference. And also the journey that they've been through. I mean, I can talk from, uh, you know, I'm an Eritrean and I know quite a lot of Eritreans that uh, uh, they come in, you know, via you know, traveling to Sudan, you know, crossing the desert, going to Libya, and from Libya, crossing with the boats, and a lot of them, they have uh, died, you know, uh, through that journey. And uh, those who have survived, I mean, they have survived rape, they have survived torture, uh, and it's been really, 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 you know, uh, actually, sometimes you cannot even describe when people, they tell you their story, and it's, it's quite horrible. And uh, there is quite a lot of trauma because of that, because a lot of people, they've seen their children dying on the journey. They've seen, uh, you know, their children being raped by gangs of uh, traffickers and all that. So there is quite a lot of trauma around the refugee issue. It's just not, you know, leaving your country, but also the journey is quite horrible. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what happened. Yeah. 
And of course, I mean, we see this on the media every day and, and the images of refugees, it's, it's very stereotyped. What do you think, Mayor Brad, about, does it, does it reflect people's reality? Does it do it justice? I don't, I don't know where I can start talking about, you know, um, what it looks like to be a, a refugee, because what, what you hear on the media and things like that is actually, uh, it's almost people, they come in here because, uh, you know, um, it's actually a choice. You come here to have a nice life, you know, you come here to take people to jobs and all that. And you don't hear that much about the trauma, actually, that uh, uh, these people endure. And the first thing, yes, people do when they come here. I mean, the first thing is about, you know, feeling safe. It's a relief. I mean, you know, once they are in a country where there is no war, uh, there is no torture, that's what people feel. But after that, what is the aftermath? Once they are here, is the sense of loss that people actually, they cannot... Uh, you know, it's not, it's not, it isn't very easy, I don't know, uh, it's quite difficult because the sense of loss is the loss of identity, loss of people that they left behind, loss of the country, sense of guilt actually that, you know, some of them, you know, they uh, they left people behind who died, they, they were not able to save them. And there is that sense of guilt as well because they survived actually and other people died, you know, during the journey. And, um, you know, and people, they, you know, most of them, they suffer from a post-traumatic stress disorder. And that's never addressed. I mean, you know, I, I, I used to work for the Refugee Council, and uh, it was a big organization that they had counselors, they had health uh, visitors, they had quite a lot of professionals helping refugees. But because of funding, that was closed. Uh, and uh, yes, there are people around who are, you know, providing support, but it's very limited. The trauma is never, never, never addressed. And they're just expected to get get here, settle down, and and just get on with life. Yeah, and uh, and they don't do that. I mean, you know, I mean, from my experience, you know, uh, that was a long time ago. Uh, but you know, you come here, the first thing, uh, okay, thanks God, okay, I'm safe. You know, I, you know, I don't have to be scared of anything. But for me, from my experience, for a long time, even hearing the noise of, uh, uh, you know, of a police uh, car. I used to jump, you know. I used to just stop and then, you know, look around because the memory of, uh, you know, someone coming, you know, to take you uh, and to beat you up, it was quite, you know, there ingrained in my in my system that, you know, if I had, you know, a plane, you know, noise of a plane, you know, I would jump. Uh, so that's when, you know, you start realizing how much trauma uh, you've been through and uh, you know and to get rid of the trauma actually it takes some time and you need really people who can help you in that sense of people who can understand that because even uh, you know people they provided a lot of counseling i remember there were quite a lot of, a lot of organizations and i remember uh, people going to see a counselor and a therapist and coming back and saying What's happening? You know, I don't get it. These people, they are not helping me. They, they, they just want to know something about me. What, what is it? And I remember people saying that refugees, they don't fit the bill for counseling because they don't get it. So you need people who understand, you know, uh, uh, they understand what they've been through. And uh, 
was the kind of trauma because it's not uh, an ordinary trauma that people go through. So um, you might have heard, Mebret, that we're going to have hopefully some refugees coming you know to our town yes. at some stage yes. i mean just from the average everyday person if i was to meet one through mm-hmm. you know my school or whatever what you know yes. can you give me any advice how would i respond to them what kind of attitude could i have that would be helpful to these people i think you know the main thing you know is uh, is to show them some respect to treat right. them as, as, as a human being mm. rather as these things called refugee you know mm. uh, the respect and just just to listen that you know sometimes even a smile is enough right to say hello and to, to smile is enough because a lot of people you know you, you get these looks from people and then when i ask people about their experience and you know what they say i'm no one Mm. I'm no one. I walk, you know, in the streets. I uh, I go in a coffee shop, but I'm no one. No one even noticed that I exist. So there is that kind of sense that, you know, um, they are lost. So even to say hello, if, you know, the simplest things, yeah. you know, that, that, that will do. Because that people, they get touched when someone just show them a little bit of respect to them as a human being. That's that's essential to, to, to anyone who has lost everything. Yes. And for someone to say hello, good morning, you know, uh, that, that, that's a simple thing, you might think, you know, that's, that's nothing, but that's something because you're noticing them. Yeah. They've been noticed. They know they are someone, uh, you know, see them that they are there. Mm, they're not yeah. invisible, yes. obviously. Yeah. 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 And Mebrat, do you think that the average refugee wants to go back home, that they don't actually want to be living in another country and settling in another country? Uh, believe me, I lived, you know, I can tell you from my experience, for 30 years, every year that uh, it passed, I always thought, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back home, I'm going to start again. Uh, but it doesn't happen. And I think people, you know, they always go these dreams that one day it will be okay, they will go back. They're not interested in living here. Uh, because even even the food they eat, even the, the sense, you know, the kind of culture they live in, you know, people there, and people there are very grateful, you know, this is what people they don't know. I mean, when I used to work at the center, at the therapy center, I remember people they used to come uh, to counseling and, um, and uh, because they didn't have money, the center used to provide uh, travel expense. And people, they used to refuse that. They will walk for one hour, half, two hours to come to the center and say, I'm just grateful that I'm getting this service. It's okay. I don't need uh, money to, mm. to, to, you know, for, for a bus uh, travel. So... People, they are, not, they are not here because they want to exploit the generosity of the country. They're not here. And everybody, everybody, if you ask anyone, they say, yes, one day I will go back. Yeah, but sometimes that day never comes. Thank you, Mebrat. And if there's, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners from, from your vast experience to kind of give us an insight and into into um, the life and the mindset of a, of a refugee? 
I know you said be kind, give a smile, make them feel welcome, and and I I hope I'm, I hope all the indications are that Hertfordshire seems to be welcoming. So hopefully that will happen when when the Syrian refugees do start coming in. Yes, and um, and I think um, it is also about being a, be aware about uh, people's way of life. Because sometimes, uh, you know, uh, ways of talking, way of doing things, they can get interpreted very different, differently from your own kind of culture, from where you stand in. And sometimes to be open, to be open to understand what people they coming from. And that openness, you know, it will help you learn about who they are, what they're coming from, what they feel in, all their pain and trauma. You will be able to understand that openness, to be able to understand, to say, I will be open to listen, I will be open to understand, rather than interpreting stuff and looking at someone saying, you know, the way they behave, you know, is completely different from the way we do things. Yes, we are all different, but for refugees, it's more difficult when they come here. They, they, need, they need people to be able be prepared to understand them. That's, that's what they need. Be prepared, be open, mm. uh, so you can understand where they come from. Great. Thank you, Mebra. Thanks for joining us You're on welcome. the Parents Show. It's been very, very uh, useful for us to, to talk to you and, and very moving as well. I'm sure, I'm sure um, your words will go along in helping people try to be as empathetic as they can be. Thank all the best thank you so much bye bye and that was Mebret Deres who is a psychotherapist and a former refugee I think we can say former refugee Um, we're going to take a short break and then we're just going to come back with a roundup of tonight's show Welcome back to the Parents Show for the last last little few minutes before we finish up for this evening. Now, Simon Grover, Green Councillor at St Albans District Council, is still with us. Simon, thank you for staying with us. Um, very sobering um, oh, conversation with Mebert. Extraordinary, yes. I mean, and and it's when you you meet individuals, hear individual people, and you know she was a refugee herself, and so is able to explain her personal experience and, and now professionally works with those people as well. That's that's all it takes for people to really for it had have a vivid a vivid picture of what we're talking about because you can you can talk about large numbers of people, can't you? But it's when you think about the individuals that it that it makes you realise what's at stake here. Absolutely, mm. absolutely, and it's, I mean, I'd say it's you could hear the uh, she was slightly. I suppose frustrated with the media's coverage of it. I mean, and it is—it's wave upon wave. It's the same story over again, and it's so depersonalized, isn't yeah. it? It's—we're not talking about individuals, you know, on on the news every day. We're we're talking about groups and groups of people. That's right. And interesting, you know, we referred to the to the tragic pictures of the boy on the beach, and it's that when it becomes an individual person, that's when actually people do take notice, and it becomes personal. You can relate to it. As a, as a human being instead of just relating to these large numbers so that's that is sometimes what it takes yeah so let's just remind our listeners so um you've started this initiative you've got say dobbins council to agree to um to apply for funding for about 10 
Syrian refugees to come to St Albans. Yeah. And tell us what you need from our listeners. Well, the one thing that the council's really needing local people to, to help with now is to find finding accommodation. So, as I said before, we're not going to be housing people in, in council houses or social housing. We don't we don't have very much of that spare, and we have huge waiting lists um, in St Albans. Um, other parts of Hertfordshire are doing things differently, but in St Albans, um, we're saying that we want private landlords to come forward, and there is money available. They they're not, we're not asking for them to do it for free. Um, we're saying that um, you will get market rent, so um, as refugee status, people uh, can get housing benefits and so on, and the council will top that up to a market uh, a market rate. So, um, you know, anyone who is or who knows someone who may have a house to rent, just an ordinary house, self-contained house, suitable for a family, um, please do get in touch with the St Albans Council. And just to express your interest, you're obviously not committing, but you're saying, hey, I might be interested, you know, or I've got a place that might be free in a few months' time um, because the family that we've got are, are moving out. Um, if you think that, that that might apply to you, please do get in touch with St Albans Council. Just give them a ring um, and, and let them know you're interested because uh, all we're looking for is just a couple of, a couple of houses in the district. Fantastic. So hopefully in a few months' time we might get you back on, on the show to let us know what the update is. Hopefully we might have two Syrian families living and hopefully thriving in St Albans. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure. That'd be great. Thanks mm. a million, Simon, for joining us on The Parents Show. So we've come to the end of The Parents Show for this evening. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, the conversation continues on our Facebook page, as always. Just go to Radio Verulam's The Parents Show. And um, you can see photos of our guests tonight, links to everything we've been talking about. And it's it's always there. And it's a great opportunity for you to put your ideas down. Tell us what shows you'd like us to be covering, guests you think we should be having on um, the show. Because it's, it's for anybody who has anything to do with children, cares for children or has children themselves. And we'd love to hear from you. So thanks for joining us on The Parents Show. Uh, I'm Lydia L. Curry. And I'm Shelley Heyman. Good evening. Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution.